0: We are 10, 9, ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three.
1: 2, to the 4, Alien Probe Podcast. I was taking my trash outside at 8:45 PM. Um, it's around four apartment buildings away from our apartment, so our trash dumpster is one of the huge ones. Anyway, we got halfway to the trash dumpster, and I looked up. What I saw was just mesmerizing. Imagine looking up at the stars, you know, approximately how far away from Earth they are. We see two star-looking spheres. One was lower in the sky. The other was higher, I told my mom. And she looked as soon as she did. One lower one, part of the sky, looked like it was building up energy for only three to five seconds. It went straight up and to the left. Then the second did the same. It did a zigzag in the same place. The other as the other when it reached our atmosphere it was a large flash this came in from ray on facebook it is saturday and the date is july 16th i'm doug and joined again to the alien pro podcast is dr bill hey bill, hey what's up nothing
0: much how are you doing how you hanging in there good it's
1: been a couple hours and uh, you know then we had equipment failure and now we're uh, back on again
0: yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's uh, so um, everything looks you know, good.
1: What do you think about Ray's story, there, Bill? So I don't know where Ray, Ray didn't tell me where he lives, but it was so interesting. How
0: did you get this information? Was this through this face, is face, Facebook? Yeah, we did a
1: Facebook uh, on the Alien Probe Podcast Facebook page. I uh, he came in and uh, I M'd me from there. We had a couple of those. We had another one um, from Mary. I can uh, Mary's is quite extensive mary's was um actually um abducted when she was around three years old and she's had quite a few uh we're gonna we'll, we'll either have mary on or we'll have uh a lot more detail about her abduction and um, her experiences with um extraterrestrials uh, in the future we're lining up some guests we'll do a you know, some uh, interviews and it should sound good. Oh, did you see that the, um, the new flatlanders episode is, is it what, what's the call? No, no,
0: I didn't. The episode, it, two.
1: Uh, episode two episode is, it is two is out. I will get it. And I haven't seen it yet, but, um, you know, I went back and forth with Shelly, Shelley Lewis, who's the, um, producer. I think she's the producer. Yeah. So like an uh,
0: executive producer. I think she is the
1: executive producer. So we can, uh, Certainly check out that and uh, get back to everybody on that.
0: Yeah, that'll probably be at least a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, we got some things backed up that we need and, to talk about.
0: And next week, I think we're going to spend uh, um, some time going over Luis Elizondo's Inspector General complaint form, which is... Uh, what is,
1: What is that? Did the IG complain about what... No. I mean, in a, I mean, we're he, not going to talk about the whole thing. What's the,
0: he complained to the IG about... Um, the crap that the Pentagon was pulling on him, where they were saying he didn't work for um, ATIP. We don't know who he is. And he yeah. has specific people that he's complained against, which is uh, Susan Goh of the Public Affairs Office and uh, Gary Reed, who was Director of Defense Intelligence for Intelligence and security. Why do they have intelligence twice? He's a D, D, I, and I D D I I N S.
1: You can never have
0: enough intelligence. Never, well. You can never have enough. <laughs> uh, so we will, I actually, I want to spend, let's go through this and I want to read it. I've been starting to read it and I want to go through it uh, in some depth next week. That should be interesting. That'll be a good one. Yeah, and we'll wrap up, hopefully we'll wrap up, uh, Skinwalker Ranch. But this is a 64-page complaint that Luis Elizondo filed with the Inspector General's office, um, because... Let me find his, I'm looking for his written, written, um, statement. He wrote down some specifics. Because, here, he said, his handwritten part says, uh... What did the person do or fail to do that was wrong? He said, conducted retribution and provided false information to the public, abusing government authority, illegal dissemination, I guess, of information. No, I think that's destruction. I think it's illegal destruction of information, which we'll we'll get to this stuff once we go through it like I said, it's a 64 page report. It was released on, um, I think a couple months ago. And I'm surprised we haven't heard about this before. There was a YouTube video from the UFO subreddit, which I didn't watch. I just went to the link and downloaded the, uh, the, the, the PDF of his complaint. And then Chris Lado uh, spent some time going through some of the stuff on that. But I, I think that, uh, I think it'll be worthwhile taking a look at this. It's got some great, it's got some, the little bit that I'm seeing, it's got some great stuff in it. So, and then, uh, so next week, Luis Elizondo's IG complaint, last Skinwalker. Um, And then after that, hmm? yeah, final episode, final episode, episode, not last. But we'll be talking about it today. We will be talking about the second to last episode today. And then uh, maybe in two weeks, we'll do the uh, second Flatlander uh, episode. We had a lot of fun with the first one and actually upset some people because we couldn't figure out how they could see a laser from 35 miles away. Um, so, I and, and I don't know. I don't have any explanation. Hopefully, Well, the
1: next- since Shelly's a friend of the show and has been on, so we're going to respectfully... Um, discuss the uh, processes of by which they will prove that the earth is flat
0: well i mean well, we're critical of it we're going to um yeah. be critical of it but they they raised a good point last time i i did some research couldn't come up with a good uh counter argument and it just raised a question why could they see a, a laser from 35 miles away uh, over flat terrain so tell me why tell me why i'm not saying that the World is flat. I'm just saying they're providing a counter argument, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that one. All right, I'm gonna hang on, I'm gonna pause this. Okay, all
1: right, all yep. right. So, where you want to start today? We got a couple things. I know you sent me some um, Omni articles.
0: Yeah, we've been looking at um, an old 19 April 1994 Omni magazine which at the end of Omni's publication, Lifetime, they started investigating UFOs. And then six months later, the um, magazine was, was gone. Uh, so they had a few things. They were going to start their own sort of investigation into UFOs. And like I said, the magazine went out of business, which was weird And they said that it was uh, because of um, the cost of paper and publishing. But just a sort of back of the envelope calculation of their monthly revenue on their sales. They were selling, I guess, a million and a half to two million dollars a month in revenue on the magazine. And it's just, that's a, that's a, and it's 1994, 95. That was a good return, I think, or a good circulation yeah. seven hundred thousand or some crazy number of of magazines were being sold
1: well it's not only they don't, not only mail them though they're in you know grocery stores and everything else yeah so it's not just you know um postage it's you know that it's a cost but i don't know they, they were getting advertising so yeah. it's it you didn't see I, when I discussed this before. You didn't think it was a conspiracy. You figured they just shut down. What do you
0: think? Uh, it was the the structure of the Bob Guccione he also owned penthouse. The structure of the corporation was a little funny, which I looked into a little bit. I but I still it doesn't. It's the shutdown of of Omni magazine was a little weird. I think they were. I think they were perfectly capable of of being profitable. Profitable. And I don't, um, I don't remember, and I don't have the paperwork with me. His wife was running the magazine. She might have died around that time. So if, if she had, did she fall did she fall down the stairs? Yeah,
1: blunt force trauma. Yeah, she did.
0: <laughs> um, Just like Ivana
1: Trump. <laughs>
0: yeah. If, if she had, she, um, she, she was the force behind the magazine. I don't think she did though. I'm gonna look. I'm going to take a quick look. So what we're doing is we're the last, um, I think it's about five or six epi- uh, episodes, five or six issues of Omni. We've, we're just taking a look at the articles that they have in that about UFOs and what they have to say. And so the, the, there's uh, one, it, the, and they're short. So this is just like, th- they're investigating UFOs and they're talking about the cover-up conspiracy. And they made a big deal about it in the previous issue, and then this issue comes out, and it's just two pages, two short pages of information. So, it's
1: interesting because the title of the first one you sent was "Cosmic Conspiracy: Six Decades of Government UFO Cover-Ups." Yeah, but there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of publications that discussed Uf, you know government conspiracies and UFO cover-ups. I don't think the government shut them down because they were telling all. And they weren't really well, telling
0: all anyway. Yeah, but <laughs> it may have just been uh, the corporation decided that uh, Bob Guccione was out of control control, and they needed to, uh, you know, um, fix it. And they, um, I don't know if they fixed it or not. Uh, they got rid of the magazine. It went to Web Magazine. It's a great magazine. I used to love Omni. Yeah, yeah it was nice science
1: fiction type. Great and stories. Science. Great science magazine. Yep.
0: So Kathleen Keaton was his wife. Oh, well, I mean, she died two years after the magazine shut down. So that's sort of weird. Maybe her health took a, yeah. Uh, says she got breast, breast cancer. Um, So maybe she was, um, diagnosed with breast, breast cancer. And, um, And they decided she wanted just to take it easy. But yeah, who knows? It was a good magazine. At, yeah. At any rate, so you want to
1: discuss the first article you sent?
0: Yeah, let's the take conspiracy. a look at that. So it's cosmic, it's by Dennis Stacy, Cosmic Conspiracy, Six Decades of UFO government cover ups, part two. And they start off they talking about the the nineteen fifty two Washington flap. They had lots of um, UFOs flying around uh, Washington, D.C. They talk about Air Defense Command Dispatch 2 F-94 interceptors, which failed to make contact with the targets, which isn't true, because we know from the interview with uh, the spokesman at the Pentagon, we, we went through an interview with him that was done decades later, do you remember his name? No. Um, I have it here, I think. Yeah, right there. Have it at your fingertips, Bill? Yeah, I do. Bill's very organized. No, I'm not. I'm not. PhD I, I'm and, sort of, yeah. sort of organized. <laughs> uh, Oral history interview with Albert M. Chop, And he actually talked about this incident, and he said the F-94s actually made contact with the um with the ufos and the pilot and it was uh they dramatized that in a movie that was came out in the 50s and the pilot flies up to the um ufo and he goes to the air air traffic controllers or the controllers he goes what do i do so he's like flying flying along these things and he's like what do i do secondarily to that i was reading in uh frank edwards flying saucers serious business and he talks about wilbur smith who was the um canadian ufo guy that i think was the uh, um, comparable to hynek uh, in the u.s as far as investigating ufos for the canadian government he actually said that uh one of the f-94s opened up on one of these ufos and knocked a piece off of it which was oh. later which was later recovered So there was, and then there was, yeah. So we have uh, there was another thing that happened with that, but anyway. So this article, the guy says that they um, failed to make contact. Albert Chop says that's not true in his interview and in the dramatization of the um, the incident, he said that the F ninety four actually came up on one of these things, and the pilot's just like, "What do I do?" Um, and then this article in Omni says that they repeated this the. UFOs came back the following weekend. I guess they only worked weekends. Uh, pa- targets were picked up on radar, verified both by incoming pilots and ground observers. So the pilots of the aircraft flying into the airport in Washington, Washington national were seeing, um, seeing these things. And uh, so many calls were coming into the Pentagon alone that the telephone circuits were completely tied up with UFO inquiries for the next several days. People want to know what's going on. Yeah. Are they coming for us? They're coming for the president. Are they attacking? They're attacking. I think Truman was, uh, Truman was president. I think he he was apparently at that time, he was fly fishing somewhere with uh, General MacArthur or something I read. I'd have to, to double-check that. But he was teaching uh, General MacArthur to fly fish or something. That's what I read. Wow. I don't know. It may not be true. So um, the Washington flap, they call it the Washington wave here. Then the Pentagon had to have that press conference, which you can look at the footage online and uh, the National Archives has it, which is where the YouTube videos pull it from. And uh, General Roger... Ramey, chief of Air Defense Command, denied that any interceptors had been scrambled, which wasn't true, and attributed the radar returns to temperature invis- inversions, which is why they're they're pushing this um, you know conspiracy, this cover up stuff. And when we talk about uh, Elizondo's IG complaint, you can still see sort of the Washington weirdness when it comes to this stuff. It comes out in that complaint. As a consequence of this, uh, the flap, they had the Robertson panel, which we talked about. And the CIA director uh, suggested that there be a coordinated effort to develop a firm scientific understanding of the several phenomena in the UFO reports uh, and assure ourselves they will not hamper our present efforts in the Cold War or confuse our early warning systems in case of attack. And that was a big concern of the, the military was that UFO reports would mask a genuine attack by the Russians. Yeah, they actually wanted to have a public
1: education program to, you know, debunk the this thing. They even wanted to enlist the walt disney disney company to yeah. put together something to show that this isn't really a ufo this is a balloon yeah i don't know if that ever really happened um, uh,
0: but they uh, they uh, probably i think disney did put out some funny uh yeah sort of anti-ufo c- cartoons i've seen them um we hope to dredge those up. Yeah, yeah i should look i should look for those <laughs> threaten orderly functioning of the Protective organs of the body politic. What is that? After review of the evidence, the panel concluded While UFOs themselves did not necessarily constitute a direct threat to the national security, the continued emphasis on the reporting of these phenomena does threaten the orderly functioning of the protective organs of the body politic. You must protect those organs. Yes. And they recommended that the national security agencies take steps immediately to strip the UFO phenomenon of its special status and eliminate the aura of mystery it has acquired. Training and debunking could be implemented. Mass media might be brought to bear on the problem. Up to and including Walt Disney Productions. Sounds sounds like modern times. um, What was that? I tried looking for the Disney thing. <laughs> it popped up and started talking. Don't tell. Don't don't let your machines talk to you. Oh, man. How do I work this thing? Oh, yeah. um. So, uh, interesting. The panel recommended that pro UFO grassroots organizations be actively monitored because of their potentially great influence on mass thinking if widespread sightings should occur. It's happening today. It's happening today. Mass thinking. Most everybody I talk to simply says
1: there must be something out there, and that would be that would be not something in the fifties and sixties that you would openly say.
0: Well, I, I, I have been having sort sort of doubts because I'm thinking, well, you know, Lewis, like, and it it comes to Louis Elizondo, and he's, you know, he's been doing the same. Song and dance for ten years or something. His spiel. His spiel. And <laughs> while I've only barely began to read his IG report, um, it's really helped to alleviate some of my doubts about him because I'm going, well, you know, he's been he he only talks about these these limited things, uh, but this IG report is um, sort of. It's, it's interesting because it's obvious that, well, one, he did work for this organization, which we knew. And the Pentagon was lying about that when they came out with that stuff saying he didn't, which was bizarre. Um, but that he was a very serious, and apparently still is, very serious and very dedicated individual investigating this phenomenon. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, my doubts about, you know, I was worried... That you know maybe this was U.S. intelligent U.S. stealth aircraft or special aircraft and stuff like that, um. But yeah, yeah, I'm having my doubts. You got to have an open mind. You got to have doubts. You got to think. You got to think about things. You got to constantly sort of reflect and assess, especially when you're dealing with things that involve intelligence agencies.
1: You're a typical scientist. You're going to say hey. no
0: before you say yes. Yeah. Typical, yeah, yeah. We are trained, <laughs> we are trained to say no, absolutely, because we
1: it. don't know. Yeah. If we don't know, it doesn't exist. Yeah, well, you're, you're you're trained
0: as a as a scientist. You're trained basically you're trained to say no. You look at stuff and you go no. You can't, you can't say can't it, it could be no. No, you can't say maybe no. no, no you it's just say no. no.
1: <laughs> it doesn't exist. That so was uh, it, that's that's actually
0: no. from reading um, about the development of Polaroid film by Edward Land early on when he was starting his company and trying to develop the and developing the uh, process for instant film, he used to hire um, PhDs come in and, and as consultants and they'd come in and he'd say, well, we want to develop a color film process, you know, where you just take a camera, take a picture, and then your picture develops into a real picture, you know, a photograph. And him and his, his, guy he was working with whatever they got fed up with the phds because the phd he'd go well we want to do this and want this to happen and the phds would always go it's impossible you can't do it so (laughs) so so edward land is like okay no more hiring of phd consultants for for the company we're just going to settle down and we're going to make this happen and we're going to do it so they're not creative
1: thinkers (laughs) <laughs> it, just, it doesn't exist so it can't be it's yeah. like a self-fulfilling prophecy I yeah absolutely <laughs>
0: um, let's see what else are they saying this, this is a really short couple a short two pages in this article um, blah 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 uh, they says is there evidence that such surveillance was conducted Um, sketchy sketchy we know that some agencies tend to keep some old ufo files while throwing out all right so he's uh they don't know if the government actually monitored these um ufo organizations but one of the things that uh one of the guys that founded the computerized ufo network or kufon this is from this is not remember this is 1994 i think that you can still find that online he says oh, it was Hynix, right? Was it Kufon Hynix? Uh Hynix was Kufos. Cuf- Kufos. Oh, okay. yeah. They got they got Kufon, uh, <laughs> Kufos. They got all sorts of fun, Mufos. Kufon. Oh. <laughs> well, and then we we talked about the Bigelow interview last week, and Bigelow was talking about all these organizations are like um didn't cooperate with each other and would fight with each other, so it's like who knows. Um they yeah, know that some agencies yeah keep information and others mysteriously losing information. Well, yeah, Uh, I, I don't think it's, it's, they necessarily lose the information on purpose. I think it's just, there's no retention policy. And if the, there's not a mandatory retention policy, agencies are free just to throw the stuff out. Um, The FBI was doing that. FBI purged a lot of their files in the, once Hoover died in the early seventies and, um, and Congress passed a, a law that said that they had to stop and retain their files. So, uh, so if it's not mandated by legislation, uh, organization and the government does not have to retain their files. I don't know what it is, the state of that is today. Interesting. So what else they got to say? Is that a... Um, he says the um, FBI kept a file on George Adamski.
1: Oh, famous... Adamski. We love that story. Yeah,
0: that's... Uh, a... He's a UFO guy. Yeah, he, he... Went and he flew with them. He was a big, big, big uh, UFO contact. He says, but they thought he was a communist, and that's why they... Um...
1: <laughs> that must be a communist.
0: Well, and they also say the CIA communed with... with uh, Major Donald Kehoe. Yeah, that that was um Kehoe's organization. Now what was that called? That was NICAP. And NICAP NICAP had a lot of CIA or ex CIA involved in it. Which is interesting. Yeah. Um oh and then they okay. mentioned, I don't know if you've heard about this. They said um The National Security Agency admitted in a letter to Senator John Glenn that apparently there is or was an Air Force project Aquarius that dealt with UFOs. They later they did admit it was a classified top secret um, program, and that the release of any documents would damage the national security. The Air Force denies the existence of their own Project Aquarius, and the NSA now says that it was that it was mistaken to write that in a letter to um, John Glenn. And then the last part of this article, they talk about Friedman and Special Fort Report Fourteen, which I want to take a look at. Um, and that was uh, now Friedman emphasized that Special Project Fourteen was important uh, because it was put together by the Bateel Institute. And I'm looking for the name of it, which still exists and still does government contracts. It's a contract research organization. And it's still around. It's still around. You, you can look them up on, I actually um, know a guy that, um, well, acquaintance, I don't really know him. I, I knew him, um, when I was a professor and he was a professor, he went to work for, um, DARPA. And now I think he's at, uh, the Patil foundation. And I'm not seeing that. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a contract. It does contract specialized contract research for the federal government. It's a big moneymaker. The Patil Memorial Institute. That's it. Under
1: contract with department of the air force. Yeah. Uh, Government having two hands with the left one, not knowing what the right one is up to. I think it has more than <laughs> two hands. Yeah,
0: yeah, there it is. I got it. Batil, Department of Air Force. So that's the short of it for these couple pages in uh, Omni from 1994, April, 1994. You got the other, you sent me the other ones, May. the antimatter one. May. yeah. And then there was just a couple couple other things in there that was interesting, and that was the... The antimatter, which was talking about um, Eric von Daniken and the extraterrestrial gods and and uh, aliens, and it's funny because they talk about the uh, Ancient Astronaut Society, which I guess doesn't, which had ten thousand members in ninety three countries. I tried to look for there is a website for that, but I don't really think it's active anymore. The website's active, but I don't know what the, the organization and and I do know that uh, Daniken they talk about um, this antimatter thing, the UFO update, the rise, fall, and afterlife of Eric von Daniken's theory of extraterrestrial gods. He's still giving lectures on this stuff in uh, Europe. If you, you can look on his website, and he's still he you know he's still going around and doing sold out lectures in big lecture halls didn't answer your email
1: bill you tried reaching out
0: i probably didn't reach out hard <laughs> enough i mean i could have i could have um
1: you don't have his address You can show up at his door
0: hey it's dr i bill. wanted to i wanted to uh, <laughs> the, the person that was hosting me um didn't uh feel that we should do that although i thought it would have been good um get arrested you're probably not the only one that's thought of that uh, yeah I'm sure he's, he probably has security <laughs> he's got and, security and gates and things they would just call they just call the cops i'd get arrested and kicked you're out still the there country, in jail kicked out of the country <laughs> hey a vacation in europe i'll take it depends hey, on the country now,
1: though carl sagan didn't subscribe to <clears throat> uh, and i didn't realize that to uh, eric von daniken's no. theories sagan is his problem it was his problem
0: sagan didn't subscribe to any of this stuff and he um um although he wrote contact contact right yeah but that's sort of like that's science fiction and and you know he fitted that to um sort of the current thoughts on on how things might go contact's an excellent movie good book um but yeah. no he cop sagan used to throw out that thing extraordinary um Claims have to have extraordinary evidence, and uh, which I think is sort of a tough, tough thing. But he was Mr. Negative when it came to all this stuff. He was yeah. a scientist, so it's no. Yeah. So, but he, <laughs> him, and Jay Allen Hynek's careers were exactly parallel. They both got their degrees from University of Chicago. They both worked at the um, uh, Yerkes Observatory, where they did their their postdocs or their PhDs. Um, the uh Heineck was a very popular public person on astronomy and and things like that and sagan just like followed his career path to the t and then they both diverged heinick ended up doing the ufo stuff and uh so he was like that path and i think i actually i think after reading both their biographies i think sagan modeled his um career after um Heineck's career interesting but hey um sagan is one of those phds who says no and i think he had a very closed mind when it came to this stuff um uh, and i actually read his biography which is right there one of them he has two of them out there it's an unauthorized biography by um but with the cooperation of his family because it was written after he'd passed away and i really i finished the biography and i go this biography really did not like sagan um, cause you just, you just, you read it and then you walk away from it. You go, I don't, you didn't, you didn't feel good about the guy after you read his biography. Was there
1: some weird things that he used to do? Was he stoned or was that? Oh, he's, he's, he's high all like... the time. Think he's baked <laughs> half the time.
0: You see him on, um, uh, on Johnny Carson. The reason he's so mellow and, and the way he talks, he, he smoked pot all the time. He used to write his books while he was, he was, he would walk around with the recorder smoking pot and record and record things and then have his secretary type it all up. And he'd put it together into books. I mean, the guy was, the, the guy was baked half the time. Well, anybody can do anything stone
1: like, especially yeah. like that. He must've been a genius, yeah. <laughs> but well, his biography didn't, did it bear out? Did it discuss that? Yeah. Is that where that came that's out? Right. That's
0: where I found that out. <laughs> just like it was from his biography. <laughs> the guy was baked half the time. He, um, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, and he he probably was not a very nice person, from what I could tell from from his biography. You have a
1: tendency to not have <laughs> any patience with anything after being you know involved with pot. <laughs> so yeah, you just don't. You're just not relaxed anymore. You just, just not the one to deal you, you, unless, with. Yeah,
0: unless you're stoned, you can't deal with anything. <laughs> that I think was his is that probably was was a big factor for him. It's just like nothing, you know. But yeah, I'm seriously the guy was baked half the time. I mean. And, So, um, so Eric von Daniken, he's, um, he was, this is 1994. It was still huge. That book came out in the 25 years. That came out early seventies there. Speaking of Sagan, there was a book that came out that, um, slammed Eric von Daniken's first book, Chariot of the Gods and said it was crap. And Carl Sagan wrote the, an introduction for that, uh, Eric von Daniken sued the guy and won. And got, the, oh, yeah, wow. and got the book pulled from the U.S. market. The problem is, is that also ended up sort of uh, damaging his um, book sales in the United States because that book, the book saying all his stuff was crap, got a ton of press. And then, of course, like a lot of these things, once you sue somebody and you win because they're, you know, they're whatever it was, it was misinformation. Um, the press doesn't report anything on it. They don't. They don't report the suit. They just report the book in the in the first case. So if you go and look for that book, I've read that book. I got it from the library a long time ago and read it after I'd read um, um, von Daniken's first book. And um, yeah, I mean it, it made sense. You go, oh wow, you know, Carl Sagan is the the writes the introduction for this book and and says that all this stuff is crap. But you know, you at the time I didn't know that the book had been, uh, you know with forcibly withdrawn because of a lawsuit
1: how long was it out before they withdrew I mean it's kind you, of like when somebody says something during a trial and they go disregard that well they've already heard it
0: yeah well it was, yeah it's, that's exactly that's exactly what happened it's like the um uh, Eric von daniken's book came out and then um, this counter book came out and of course it had the clout of um Carl Sagan behind it and that i i read the book so i i found out about the book and got it from the library and read it and it's like oh you know that's too bad this is the stuff the the chariot of the gods is a great really cool book and then this thing just debunked the shit out of it um and then they got sued and they had to they had to withdraw the book um so in this article on in omni the anti manner they quote um Von and he says, I must be blacklisted in America. Says the fifty-eight. He's fifty-eight years old, uh, with a chuckle, because he's uh, he had a twenty-five part TV series in in Germany. Uh, his last nine books, this is nineteen ninety-four, are all bestsellers in Germany. Um. He paid for. He got ancient Asian Indian text translated. He's just talking about this. Talk, Describe gigantic space. Space alien. Are you waving at me? Space no, cities. The, the,
1: the girls have just got home with the dogs. Oh, they've been gone a long time. I had to... T- Tell them to, to stay away. T- I had to send her a text to stay say, away. Uh, "Yeah, we're still recording. We've had we're, we're having technical, technical issues. Technical <laughs> issues. We're terrible at computer crap. They may be bombing in on us and destroying my backdrop and dogs and who knows All what's right. going to happen there. All right,
0: perfect. <laughs> so, uh, so he had some stuff and he talks about uh, gigantic space cities and from ancient texts and stuff like that. So he's he's still writing books and I've I've picked up. You have some books, and I've picked up some of his stuff. So we we will address and come into looking at Eric Von Daniken's past past That
1: really is something we should talk about. I love Chariots of the Gods. I mean, that's one of the reasons I have an interest in this.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's got a bunch more books. Yeah, we need to look at that. Um, And then there was Carl Sagan, a major critic of Von Daniken in the 70s, says he has not changed his mind. One of Sagan's original objections was that the underlying assumption – that our ancestors were apparently too stupid to create the monumental architecture of our past. That's a, that's a, an, you know, you know, that's a crappy Sagan criticism. Uh, and Va- Von Daniken responded, he goes, but it's never been my idea that ancient astronauts had constructed great buildings or temples. He's, mankind did, but why? Mythology and religion say they were dealing with the teachers that had descended from heaven. So, um... Yeah, but some of the blocks that you <laughs> that were oh, no. moved from
1: point A to point B like a million tons. And well, yeah, there's no I, way you can could, you can move it. To, the the argument is you can't even move it with today's equipment. How did they move it?
0: I think that it's very plausible for a lot, like for the pyramids, for a lot of those blocks to be moved. I mean, it's not impossible. Well, it's not those impossible.
1: aren't really that. There's there were others. That there's, wasn't a, there's really the, the the ones yeah.
0: the ones that are really weird are the ones in Peru. Yeah. Or yeah, Peru, nice. where they yeah. have the 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 blocks are machined to oddly shaped blocks that are machined to to fit tightly together. That's incredible stuff. And then there's some other yeah. other blocks and stuff that are like uh there's like one where they've talked about where it's like a, a house was carved out of stone but it's upside down. Yeah. So I don't know, it's it's like <laughs> these are places that I want to visit at some point. And, yeah. lo- and see for myself because you look at the pictures online, um, you're not really getting a, a full idea of exactly what everything is. Uh, and then the last antimatter thing that um, from this Omni magazine of May 1994 was the. Did you see that I sent you the Vampire Capital? I loved that article. Vampire L.A. Capital.
1: is the Vampire Capital of the world, and, this, and they have a, the amount of. of uh, they have. What do they have? Twenty down there. That well, ten percent of Americans are vampires. Moved to L.A. in nineteen ninety two, making the U.S. vampire. Oh, you said Ten U-
0: percent yes. of the American vampires are in L.A. So that so the total uh, population, ten uh, yes. percent of the vampires have moved to L.A. And vampires
1: um, are beautiful, charming, charismatic, and sexually dominating, and they fit
0: right in with the
1: L.A. lifestyle.
0: <laughs> uh, years ago, in the early eighties, I met this guy at. These people's this people's house, and he was said he was writing a book about vampires. I'm wondering if it was this guy, the Stephen. I I don't know because he was like um, the house I was visiting. There's a woman that lived there that he was like trying to. I mean, she was like hot, so it's like everybody, everybody wanted to hook (laughs) up with her. So she always, I mean, there was always some guys hanging around, and uh, so this guy was there for you know. Like one time I went by and and this guy was there. There was other people at the house, but this was, you know, you'd always meet interesting people at this place. And
1: It looks like it was written by a woman though, Sherry Baker.
0: uh, The article? No, but this guy, Stephen Kaplan, who says 10%, he was a vampirologist that was researching.
1: Vampirologist. (laughs) Yeah, and he, so
0: (laughs) I was at this house and I was just hanging out and um, this guy was there because of this woman. And I was talking to him, and he was, he said that he was like, uh, he had met vampires, and he said something, same thing about them, same sort of description that they're beautiful, charming, charismatic, and sexually dominating. And I was like, How was the, th-? I go, Jeff, sex with the, and he goes, Oh, yeah. I go, How was it? He goes, It was mind blowing, man. Oh, wow. And this guy wasn't, <laughs> this guy wasn't a hippie. So, yeah, it was a weird, weird story. And I'm just like wondering, I wonder if it was this guy. So anyway, I looked him up. He's passed away. And um... have you ever heard that there? You know how there's a lot, lots of good-looking
1: people in the LA area. You know, have you ever heard that theory that because you know people would migrate to be in film, they, that's why they have so many good-looking people because they would mate and have other good-looking people. <laughs> yeah, you know that's why there's yeah. so many good-looking people in the LA area. Yeah,
0: that's it. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you told me that. No, that sounds like a bill no, story. No, I uh, I might have. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I think it's just it's it's there's a mystique to L.A. and people people you think about somebody who's living somewhere else in the U.S. and they go, God, you're 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 attractive enough to be a a, a movie star. You should go to L.A. That used to be a thing. Or you're yeah. beautiful enough to be an a, a actress. I can yeah, introduce good. you to Harvey Weinstein. Get you a job.
1: <laughs> so. There'll anyway. be some things to do before you get
0: your first gig though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gotta do some volunteer work. Yeah. We have a plane you need to go on. Yeah, he's a good one. Yeah. So um
1: Or Epstein. Epstein. Go to the island. Epstein. You gotta go to the island. Epstein. There's <laughs> a lot of freaks. Yes, there's I've some been. bad people out there.
0: There's uh I've been to the Epstein Island twenty-six times. I never saw any women on the island. Have you been there? No. <laughs> That's uh, a former president's been there twenty six times. They never saw anything. Oh, speaking of which, this former president who has a uh, a wife and a daughter. Oh, uh, I just read a thing that says he also has a son, a five year old son. So, um, like, I saw a picture of his wife and daughter are like doing some promotional stuff. I'm like, why isn't the new kid there? So. That's, um... <laughs> Where's the new kid? It's like our current president has a new grandson that he doesn't acknowledge. I don't I don't I don't acknowledge my new grandson. Why not? Great. Why not? <laughs> what about your new grandson? Does he is he aware there is a new grandson? Uh he he like uh spit on a reporter that brought it up. It says, Have you seen your new grandson? And he's like, Oh, shut up. Yeah, I'll have you killed by the Secret <laughs> Service. Or sort of like our <laughs> or uh, we have a Congress crazy Congresswoman that was uh, called the cops four times on some some comedian that was making fun of her when she was going into Capitol buildings like the usual crazy crap. <laughs> hey, we should. Um, oh, uh, so you have two people that you're either going to you're going to interview one coming up to talk about. Yeah, well,
1: there's one I want to talk about the person at work. I have to be careful not to. No, it's, well, yeah, them. you got um, you got that. I want to talk about that okay. real quick. Okay. And she had uh, overheard that I had that I'm doing a podcast because I've got another gentleman that I work with. That's, that is is a is a fan and he likes listening to it. And uh, we, so she overheard it. And I told she goes, well, what's and I told her what it was about. She goes, I saw a UFO, and so she told me the story that she was in the. Um, on the beach in the Gulf of Mexico and they rolled up in their car and she saw this flying saucer just hovering over the ocean and she had a camera in her hand but she was trying to get her friends before she got the pictures she was just trying to get somebody else to see it and so they finally went oh my god there's a UFO and it was and so by then so she said it was the classic flying saucer shape that you know we all know and she went to grab her camera to get take the picture and the thing zipped off just
0: like you see in the movies. It just shot well they away. People always say, they go, It's like they know you're getting ready to take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Did you, did you have so, her did you have her fill out the form I made? Did you fill out your form? <laughs> no. Fill out the form. I have a form. I have some paperwork for you. Because to Because she said, "Do you believe in UFOs?" And she, she said that to actually you. Seen one, yeah. And I said, well, cool. "We discuss cool. it."
1: I have not Well, I do have to discuss. We're going to discuss the Skinwalker episode in a minute before we run out of time. But yeah. um, I do have to mention part of that Skinwalker episode where the uh, the UAP that they saw or light disappeared, like it went into another dimension. They say, or they another a, a yeah. portal or something. Yeah, it looked like it went well, behind
0: the mountain to me, Well the, the sighting
1: I Yeah, the sighting I saw, which is the only weird thing I've ever seen in the sky, other than the planet we kept looking at, um, or whatever that was, um, up in the uh, Foothills, when I had the house up there, is where there was a triangle of bright lights, and lights would come out of this triangle, but they would just appear out of the middle of this triangle, like you couldn't see what was behind the triangle, but they came out of it, uh-huh. and it was pretty far away. I mean, this, it was. This is what you you saw. Well, yeah, this is what I saw. Okay. So it was like the opposite. It was, it was like the opposite of what they saw, but it was weird because it was a big, a giant triangle in the sky, and it was again pretty far, and it was it was southwest of uh the foothill in the foothills, and it was because you could see. In the foothills, there's not a lot of light, so you you, you know the star you can see all. It's not like the city where you can't see any stars or like yeah. yeah, or you don't see them well. But up there, every, the sky. You know, see a lot of stars. This is, and it this, was just weird.
0: This is where you lived yeah. before, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. Was this? So it was. Okay. And there was a one of Johnny's friends saw it with me too, and I you know I just I wanted to reach out if I ever happened to see him around. I don't know if I ever will. But um, I want to ask him, do you remember that? Because he said he saw the same thing I did. He goes, that yeah. is weird. But they didn't, and they just moved off and disappeared, you know. And, okay. It was bizarre. All right. And anyway, that was one. And then, you know. This, uh, is, got... this is what you
0: saw. You said. Yeah. Okay. But it's just, you don't I'm know sorry. what it was. It was just weird lights nah, moving. I don't on. know. It, weird
1: <laughs> lights coming out of a triangle, but you couldn't see. They just appeared out of the middle of the triangle. Like, you couldn't see. He, no, that was he, a lighted, like it was, lighted triangle? Three, it's like, oh, well, three, just three, three bright. I'm three, sorry, bright, I shouldn't say triangle. Three, three star,
0: three bright lights and then, uh, in a triangular position. And then something would come. See, this is what happens when you don't do the paperwork. So the, uh, okay, okay.
1: Um, I could draw you a star. I could no, I don't draw me. Three, I don't three want to see dots. It. I don't see. I don't want I'll to see draw you three it. dots
0: no. and then a dot. <laughs> I don't want to see it. So, okay. Well, that's interesting.
1: And we, you know, it's not aircraft. Well, I don't know what it was. It could have been, I suppose, but they didn't. It's like it came out of the, like somebody coming out of a, something coming out of a cage or a cave, I should say, Okay. A cage. okay. But um, yeah, it was bizarre. So yeah, I, that's a, that. That was my single. <laughs> that's the single thing I've seen it. That's that you can't. But it is weird. That,
0: that you can't explain. No so you're going to interview you had another person you had a coworker, a new coworker, worker or co that just saw a classic dome-shaped flying saucer you have someone else yeah. that has a has an experience that they want to talk about and then you have a uh a, a, a potential a woman who is an that that's facebook. a facebook that was the face that's mary on facebook okay and that's a woman and she wants to talk about at least in in email minimally an email yeah if she doesn't want to you generally we do these things as well, you know by
1: phone but this is for everybody else we'll mm-hmm. do it by phone so we don't have to bring them into the, yeah. the, studio, yeah. the studio you know and the student which so is you know this is upcoming um, upcoming stuff yeah so. she lives in southern california okay. so it's, we could certainly do it by telephone if she wants if she wants anybody who wants to come on telephone yeah Yeah, we probably have to do it by telephone i mean we could probably arrange to do if i don't know at some point we need to do zoom i mean i've told when i I talk to different people about this they say you know you might want to um
0: zoom yeah but i don't know how
1: we could if we could record if we do it on zoom i'm not sure we can do it we
0: can we'll figure it out we can test Uh, that's something i think we need to go rather
1: than it might be better than doing it this way okay you know we can um
0: we'll um let's let's do a test coming up we'll figure it out yeah because it might some of the issues we're having we might be able to overcome <laughs> yeah zoom 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 may do may be the way to go yeah let's let's uh let's investigate that so yeah. we have so as um, we
1: talk about our technical corner hey, so, so- uh, yeah we've got her and then there's another gentleman would may want to come on the guy that we talk talk that i work with he wants, wants to talk a little star trek and i know okay. that's something that he hates the new star trek the new what's it called yeah what's the,
0: oh do you like have you been watching it i've watched a few episodes
1: you know he doesn't like he is like i do not like this and um, he's a he's a purist he's, i think he's a star trek purist and
0: I've, that's fine i I've and watched, i say
1: you know i watch it you know i mean I, i've watched a he'll few have, episodes
0: i don't know i'm i'm not uh i'm not thrilled with what, it, it, it
1: it, what is it you don't like about it? is it the timeline the timeline bothers I me because not, these people are around and they shouldn't
0: be in the all together in this point in time i'd have to watch in, more i've watched like two episodes maybe one and all right oh yeah i couldn't i couldn't watch one because it was just like he's the, the yeah and he's
1: with you he's and he has some
0: i'm not going to divulge he's there was like a, um, there was like a Muck Spock. I couldn't get through that. I was like, okay, I can't watch. This.
1: And his sisters on there. I mean, yeah, it's, I don't. And, I know and Nurse sisters. Chapels on there. And well, she, they have. It,
0: she, I like I like some of the stuff they're doing, but I just I couldn't.
1: It's like, yeah. well, his, one of his main concerns is that there's no science, and no science that makes any sense. Like they used to talk about different things. Well, they and have, I'm, I know I'm gonna pay attention to that now. Well, I haven't
0: really even looked at that. The old Star Trek, they actually hired. Um, Science fiction writers, and you can cite Harlan Ellison, and then there's a bunch of other ones. And so they, these guys, were writing like hard, real science fiction stories, so they could come into Star Trek and they would be able to fabricate a story around plausible science. Well, they would have technical expertise that I'm.
1: It sounds like, and I'm gonna have to watch an episode. The next episode and look at this, like they don't do that. It's more personnel, and one of his problems is it's too much personality stuff. We're chatting in the hallway. Yeah, it's, it's um, it's, you know, Pike's office looks like a you know a nightclub. Yeah,
0: I know, I like <laughs> that. that's what I saw. In the first <laughs> it episode. looks like a strip club. I don't know. And there, yeah, um, it's like... <laughs> there, yeah, there's a lot of i don't disagree a lot of standing around and talking about your feelings which is not you know great yeah that's Um, that's one of his exact complaints it's like
1: you know and it's you know and he does you know and there's a i think there's a transgender uh you know which we don't care obviously about this but they have to put it it's like we're trying to shove this stuff out
0: you know there's no
1: problem with this but it's i don't know well there's there's you you know i mean
0: like for all mankind the latest I don't know if it's the latest episode, but they just had an episode where one of the astronauts came out as gay and that yeah. was a big scandal at the time and so the the well, new president yeah. has to come up with a policy and it's basically the 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 don't ask don't tell policy that Clinton had come up with and um, they're like, okay, when this guy gets back from Earth in two years from his thing, he's going to be discharged from the army. The guy's a mili- he's a major. And then there's the, the conflict because it's like the other astronauts, one of them's like worried because of AIDS and uh or HIV. And it, and that can fit into the story. And it's it's okay, because that was a big deal, and this is nineteen nineties that this is supposed to be happening. So I mean I, Oh, is that, that in the nineties? Yeah, because yeah, people
1: it, would be concerned about that. So this Got is I then. mean it's,
0: it's in context, it's in context political context for Sort of the storyline of that show. So they throw out. So this guy came out as gay, um, you know, and it's and it causes a conflict and it fits the story. But up within the 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 complaint that that guy has, and I've seen it in a lot of shows, they they don't fit. They throw in this stuff, but they don't fit it into the context of the story. It's like my favorite yeah. comparison would be Data. Remember the trial episode and the the New Generation where they wanted to dismantle data to, yes. to, to yeah. figure out how he was put together. And the argument was, he's not alive. He's not real. And commander Riker had to uh, defend him. Oh, he was a prosecutor. I don't know who the defense was. And so they had to, um, he had to prove that data was conscious and alive and deserved to live. So, I mean, they, I mean, things like that, they fit things, you fit things into a, a, uh, context. If you're just throwing out, um, yeah, look it, at, Orville. They were look repre- at Yeah, they, Orville they were, has. Yeah, Orville has. They're, weird things, but they fit it into the story. Yeah,
1: they represent something. What they're doing is they're telling a they're they're telling a, a story, but they're not. They're using a different method to tell the story. You know, of what they're trying to get at.
0: Well, they're just throwing something out. They say, look, you know, I don't know what they're doing. They just, yeah, it. it's I'm like, not it's sure. like, having, that's... it's like having a uh, cookie cutter characters of a certain type. So I was, I've been watching Orville a little bit. They got this, that one guy, the big, big, big guy that could get pregnant. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, And that's sort of a, that's, you know, but Orville took that and fit it into a, uh, it's all fits in the context of the, of the, the show.
1: Well, this guy says that, and we're, we are—I believe he's, we're going to be able to have him on the. And he's getting—I love his—I love his outlook of it. He says the Orville's the new Star Trek. Yeah, he says that's people well, they're, aren't really—they're migrating from the old Star Trek and they're watching Orville and loving it. And I love Orville; I think well, it's
0: great. Orville tells is a good story, and it's like I said—they they'll throw in issues that can, that are part of modern society and and variations uh but it fits into the story you just don't throw out something just to throw it out to show that you're exactly your yeah to, to show your political agenda you're not just throwing it out to show your political preferences yeah they're yeah which the you're trying to
1: draw you may be trying to draw us i don't know if they're trying well, and, to draw
0: certain the old star trek used to throw out uh, have political context there was the guys that were um remember the show with um The guy that was black on half, one half and right, and they were fighting, and he goes, "Yeah, we can't tell what you guys are the same." He goes, "Look at me, I'm black on the right, and he's black on the left." You know, and you know, and that was a that was a story, a metaphor for for racial stuff in the yeah, and
1: the story then that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's it's perfectly. And he, nobody takes offense on it. They're they told, you know, they're, they're putting it out there and they're talking about something that's going on in that yeah. er, day, culture, today, or that day. Culturally yeah. relevant in a context
0: yeah. that people can relate to without shoving it down your throat and saying, you're bad because you're not thinking the way that we think. And, it, it, yeah. I mean, that's it's called yeah. entertainment. It's called, um, I mean, it's just good writing. There was, it's like science fiction, modern science fiction. Um, I've been reading the old um, Nebula uh, award winners. They have these paperbacks. Every year they they still do, I think. I don't know. But they they would come out with Nebula award winning short stories and they'd come out with a paperback every year. And I have them from um 60 I picked up a bunch from 67 I guess or something to maybe 1980 at most. And then but science fiction changed. And it's like I was looking at the modern you know, I look at like the Hugo Awards and and bestsellers and the science fiction stuff, and and science fiction now falls like falls into two different categories. You have um, they're basically it's romance fantasy novels, which is like the mainstream science fiction book now is romance for the gals, and then it's military. I would say it's military romance novels for the guys, but it's the romance is the guys running around fighting. Military romance space operas for the guy. So it's like it's not you you don't see classical science fiction like you used to like Dune or yeah. um, all that all that other stuff or iRobot, things like that. Now it's all I mean it's just it's just it's just dissolved into um you know basically I don't know what it is and it's so it's entertainment for a lot of people but it's like it's not science fiction but they're still selling are we it.
1: are we just dinosaurs i mean maybe we're just dinosaurs and the people look, you know younger yeah. people this is what they want i mean uh in, mar- no. in marketing
0: land i don't no. know they don't sell i mean you can look at a lot of things they don't sell in the numbers like they used to yeah um there are yeah i don't know it's it's so There are writers out there that write, I mean, it's still, the the military stuff is still, I mean, it's just like, it's guys, it's military romance, space opera, or military fantasy type stuff with guns and things like that. that. Those are really popular. It's, but it's not classic science fiction, like we knew when we were growing up, like Twilight Zone or Outer Limits or, or the old Star Trek or Star Trek The Next Generation and, um. The, I think the like Battlestar Galactica is old science fiction. Westworld would fall into that. So there's, there's still stuff out there. But the mainstream stuff that is sold, that is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who reads it. There's a market out there. Romance novels, there's always a market. So, um, uh,
1: have you watched The Expanse? Have you seen that?
0: Yeah. I haven't watched the last season because I got bored with it. Uh, that yeah. is, was really good. And, um, and then I did, and then I didn't care.
1: We watched six episodes and gave up on it. And on the that's first another season. One. Yeah. And this guy, that's another one. This guy's got to hang with it. It gets better. Uh, it's, I, it's... I may drop back and watch it again. Yeah. I, I don't even remember it. If you can. So jump yeah. it's,
0: uh, I've watched all the seasons. I haven't watched the last one, but the thing that bothered me is there was the guy that was the pilot of the ship. And he was like the uh, Texan Texas Martian. And they killed him at the end of the, the, second to last season just had him randomly die. He was like maneuvering and his brain exploded. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah. And the reason they did that was because there was some sort of sexual scandal and. Oh, uh, great. And, yeah. And so they said, well, you know, somebody accused him of something and so we got to kill him and get rid of him. And he was a main character in the show. And it's like, I they, they did that. And I'm like, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, the show wasn't really holding my attention. It has some great characters in it. It's got some great stuff in it. Um, one season I thought was terrible where they were on this planet. And I didn't know what was going on, but apparently it was parallel to the book. I've tried to read the books and, and, or even listen to the books on tape or books on tape, audio books on tape. <laughs> on tape. Um, it, can't, it doesn't hold my attention. I mean, the writing's good. The stories, it's basically, it's a political space opera. And the show does have some cool stuff in it. Um, it hasn't been able to hold my attention, unfortunately. I, I, there's other things that I want to do or watch. You know, it's, its you know, there's so many hours in the day. And have I've reached a point, like a lot of people, I don't have time for bad TV. I mean, it's just like some of the stuff is just... I'll watch some stuff and then I'll, I'll just watch it for like 10 minutes and I go, oh, I can't watch any more of this, especially, yeah. if, especially if they immediately sit down and they start talking about their feelings. It's like, no, <laughs> please. No.
1: Um, But maybe this is the future. Maybe that's what we do. Well, I mean, like we're in the house
0: and, you know, sitting in your living room. Yeah. Talking with your, in space. talking with your ex-wife <laughs> about your feelings. I mean, that's, I mean, that's essentially what these scenarios are. It's like somebody you don't want to be talking to about anything, and you're being forced to talk to them for some reason, for some god awful unknown reason. Who knows? <laughs> um, one thing I want to mention: I tried to watch Roswell: The Final Verdict, and it um, I, I didn't last very long. Apparently, what they're doing. Is they're taking old interviews of these these Roswell people that talked about things, and some of these interviews are on the the uh, National Archives, and you can actually we, you can download them, watch them, or you can watch them on the archive. And we will actually at some point we will come to those, and we will we will talk about some of these interviews. But they're taking these interviews, and they're doing like a stress analysis to determine whether or not the person in the interview is lying. And, oh wow. uh, it was, uh, I guess, gonna, and they'd like interview a person. Our determination is, and it's with all the quick cuts and the weird, you know, shit that they do with these documentaries to try to amp up your attention. So they got to keep doing stuff so you pay attention. And <laughs> so it's you just don't like, fall asleep. Oh my God. I, I lasted about 20 minutes. I said, I can't watch any more of this. So uh, that was a definite no. Um, are we going to talk about this episode of uh, We're over an hour. You want to finish? On um, Skinwalker? Yep. Well, we'll,
1: no problem. Yes, Skinwalker. Are you ready? Yes. So the green, I call it, uh, well, they call it Closer Encounters. I call it the giant green rocket episode. Giant green rocket. 15 foot. uh, Which, explode? the first one exploded. Well, of course it exploded. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they've got the rock everywhere spoiling it for everybody. Turn it off if you don't want to hear what happens. Yeah, it's too late. And it's always worth worth a watch. Um, they they put it on the launch pad and the it had all this expensive equipment inside of it and then the the it it the engine basically blew exploded. up exploded
0: exploded on the pad. I like it. They have frugal frugal push the launch button and he's like dressed like a Bond villain. He's all in black and he's got his <laughs> shirt buttoned up to the thing and his his coat. You could see it because it flapped a little bit. His coat had. Red lining, like uh, like Dracula's cape. So it's just like it's like why is he dressed like a Bond villain? And of course, the rocket exploded with all their equipment. Then they put another rocket up. And they had lasers. It was a fantastic looking sight. Well, and they
1: the idea was well, hang on. The idea was it go to five thousand feet. It would deploy its parachute, and then they would spray. Dust or uh, chalk, what, dust. What was chalk dust, chalk dust, blow it out. Biodegradable, bio, bio by safe, the way, they had safe do. for the environment. <laughs> and at 4,000, 3,000, 2,000 feet to see if anything was in there. But then, and then they had, you know, uh, lasers pointing, three of them coming to a point at one mile up. And it, the whole thing, if it would have worked, it looked right. have pulled it something.
0: And did they ever, <sighs> the chalk dust thing never did work? Cause no. And then they the fired second, fired a second yeah. rocket which was how big was that 10 feet that's a big rocket yeah and then that one went off to one side and it's like it hit it hit something tt's going it, he's going it yeah, hits sure. hit something and got deflected and it, when he was talking about that one of the rocket guys is standing behind him with like this expression on his face and like looked like he needed wanted to move sideways out of out of camera range <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be in this. I don't want to be in this. I don't, yeah. You know, sometimes our these rockets do that. Um, and, but then they had a third rocket, which they could have put up and they didn't, uh, or maybe they did, maybe they did the third rocket and it flew straight up and it didn't do a, you know, a dive like the other one. And so like, like okay, after- we're just, we're just going to cut that. We're not going to use that. Um, well, then they had a UAP that disappeared into the night sky. Yes, like you're sighting, right behind like you're sighting. But there was Only weird, the opposite. Yes, there was something weird part. about that because they kept, they would, like, the camera angle would change oddly when they were showing it. So it's like they showed it moving towards the lasers, but then when it would disappear, it was, like, going the opposite direction, and it looked like it went behind something, like a, a tree or the ridge or something like that so they were playing they were playing games with the angle of of the stuff which bugged me um yeah i guess rocket guys my notes is rocket guys looking awkward and guilty <laughs> and they were selling everything real hard to to fugal um oh and i and one of my notes is why don't they do a balloon yeah what's wrong with a balloon get a nice size helium balloon or even a hot air balloon that's tethered and run it up if there's something up there you know a helium balloon would be fine get a decent balloon have it tethered run it up with your instrument package you don't need a rocket
1: well the the balloons are boring bill i mean yeah, if you bet, the results are there but it's really not very exciting who wants when you were a kid would you rather play with a balloon or a
0: rocket rocket Come is on. exciting but how exciting is it to, to have your, your balloon go up and disappear? I mean, they could have it and it could disappear between the, uh, the thing. Oh, and the uh, second rocket was nine feet, according to my, my uh, notes. And then they never launched the third rocket. Um, they, were, they were broadcasting the uh, 1.6 gigahertz signal through the lasers, which I thought was cool. They had 17 people there, had radiation monitoring and nothing nothing um and i think that the uap they saw on the film might have just been a satellite when they played with the angles it was a um um very cool setup but where my question is where's the third rocket and um yeah if the and it looked like a really calm calm night it's like what about balloon just a balloon with a yeah. tether run it up yeah,
1: yeah. Just hold it. Yeah, just tether it. Tether and it, run it at, up. At, at, and run. at two, three, and four, and five thousand feet. You can deploy your yeah, yeah. Your your, your
0: dust yeah. your or powder a, or a drone, <laughs> a commercial drone yeah. or Frugal's helicopter. They did the <laughs> helicopter already. Remember they Yeah. Well, he helicopter. had his helicopter there. I mean, they have all this. It, they all, all this technical expertise of things that they could run up, and they're blowing up rockets. It's like well, just let's see, uh, and
1: they could do it during I know they want to see stuff coming out of the sky easier at night, but they could do this during the day also. And just yeah. you know, you can see the powder going over something weird a lot better during the day, maybe. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well you know. It was uh actually for for uh one of their shows, it was very light on information. But, you know, next uh next show we're a week behind the episodes, but obviously but um george knapp is going to be there Season finale he's in the season finale and uh yeah i'm actually looking forward to the finale and i will look forward to watching it um next year when they come out with the season four more More garbage (laughs) uh they're beat i think they're beating a dead horse uh, i don't think i really I, think nothing. people is this going to be like oak island where yes. it's going to run you know yes. 50 years yes people
1: are actually they're, they're going to get enough out of it where yes. people are going to go i think they're going to find something as and long it's as
0: like, now as long as it's making money they'll keep doing it and yeah. it's uh i think uh as they they say in the oil drilling business it's a dry hole it's, dry. <laughs> it's a dry hole just like uh oak island is a dry yeah. hole and and even when when um Bigelow got involved in Skinwalker after we talked about that last week. That was there was nothing. There was nothing to report. Nothing was re- reproducible, and uh, I don't know. Give me a break. Show me something, and which is which was causing me to have a lot of doubts about stuff until I started reading um, Louis Elizondo's IG report, and it's renewing my my um, enthusiasm. So we'll, we'll, which we'll talk about next week. We'll do it. All right. I think that's we're we're at an hour and 12 minutes. And, Get out of uh, here before
1: something fails. Oh, we've had a funky morning. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to the alien. The latest episode of the alien pro podcast. We welcome comments, questions, or requests to alien at gmail dot com. Visit us on Facebook at the alien pro podcast. Check out our website. That's all our episodes, alienprobe.net. Twitter and Instagram at alienprobepod. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe and like. Listen to our episodes and watch. Thanks to our senior producer, Robert Anthony. And, of course, thanks, Dr. Bill.
0: Yes. See you next time. Watch the skies.
1: Watch the skies.
0: All right. Bye-bye.